This podcast is intended as general information only and is not to be relied upon as legal, financial, or professional advice. A professional advisor should be consulted regarding your specific situation. It is also not an offer to sell or purchase Edgepoint investment funds. Ben Graham, a famous investor, once described the process of fixed income investing as a negative art. He called it a process of exclusion and rejection rather than of search and acceptance. This is an apt description of our investment process. You see, the return from our bond investment is capped at the interest you receive in the return of your principal. Your Edgepoint investment team spends their days not only uncovering undervalued investment opportunities, but also making an active choice to avoid investing in many businesses and areas of the market to which others may feel comfortable lending money. Now, it's been one year since the world and the financial markets were disrupted by COVID-19. I think it's a good time to review how our investment approach remains consistent during periods of high volatility and how we seek to capitalize on those periods in our own way. People are often asking us for examples of interesting ideas that we're finding, but they rarely ask much about the areas of the market that we're avoiding. And over time, the areas that we avoid seemingly add as much value as those that we choose to invest in, highlighting how apt the term negative art truly is. Most investors hold a mix of equity and fixed income investments in their portfolio. The popularity of balance funds highlights that many investors strive to have an asset mix that includes fixed income securities, and the popularity of our growth in income portfolios echoes that sentiment. Textbooks have been written about the benefits of asset allocation, and it seems that many investors now believe their balance funds will always generate a pleasing return. While I certainly agree that a mix of fixed income and equity investments is an important building block for a portfolio, I do believe it's simply a starting point. A pleasing return is not inevitable. It depends on the quality of the investment and the price you pay for each one. Recent history has made it far too easy for investors to actively debate the merits of owning individual stocks and then simply assume that the fixed income portion of their portfolio will make the money. And I can't blame investors for thinking this way. Many of our clients' fixed income investments have always seemed to do well. In fact, by simply owning the Canadian Broad Market Fixed Income Index for the last 20 years, you would have generated an annual return of 5.1%. Now that's a solid return for the less risky part of a client's portfolio. But now is a time to take a step back and ask yourself whether that type of return expectation can continue going forward. Today, that same index is yielding 1.7%, making those return expectations almost impossible. The tailwind of falling interest rates is at the very least not as strong as it once was, and it's recently started to become a headwind. To get a sense of how the average investor is positioning their fixed income investments, we pulled data on some of the largest fixed income portfolios in the country. What we found raises some concerns, and we've shown it in a table that you can view in the online version of the commentary. Tens of billions of dollars are invested in bond portfolios that on average have a yield of under 2% and a duration of almost eight years. After deducting management fees, these portfolios on average are set to earn a yield to maturity of only 71 basis points. That's barely better than what you can currently earn in most bank accounts, and the future is not certain. A few future scenarios could play out. If interest rates stay the same, these portfolios are poised to earn a return well below inflation. If interest rates increase, they're likely to experience material mark-to-market losses and negative real returns. The scenario that's required to earn a pleasing return only occurs if interest rates fall. As vaccination announcements gave the world and financial markets cause for optimism, interest rates in North America have risen. Should you position your fixed income investments to only earn a pleasing return, 
if rates fall back to levels seen when we were surprised by a global pandemic? That's certainly a possibility, but I struggle to comprehend why that should be the base case going forward. We have chosen to exclude and reject reaching for yield by increasing our duration and stuck to an approach that we think we have an edge in applying. Fundamental credit work has been the basis for our investment approach since inception, and over time it's benefited our clients. It doesn't work every month, every quarter, or even every year. But over time, we've consistently added value to our clients' portfolios. Our application of the negative art has been to only invest in businesses that we understand and in investments where we think there is a compelling ratio of reward to risk. Investing in a manner that loses money under both the status quo and a return to normalcy simply is not attractive to us. At this time last year, the pandemic roiled across capital markets. During the first quarter of 2020, funds that were positioned like the ones in the previous table benefited tremendously over the short term. The fear surrounding COVID-19 sent rates spiraling downward and driving the price of long-duration bonds upward. Our fixed income investments underperformed during this period, as our short-duration investments didn't receive the same benefit. But a key tenet to our approach is taking advantage of market volatility. Quick declines in interest rates are often coupled with increased levels of volatility as markets struggle to digest news like a global pandemic. We've always embraced this volatility as it provides opportunity. Bond prices often change faster than the business's fundamentals, and a thorough analysis can often uncover ideas where the market is trading on fear rather than fact. Looking at the changes in our portfolio composition highlights that as prices fell, our opportunity set increased dramatically. Our low duration, the very portfolio characteristic that caused our short-term underperformance, gave us the ability to invest in a market that had many more compelling opportunities. We reinvested our coupons and maturing principal payments and repositioned the portfolio into our best ideas over the following months. Falling rates temporarily helped long-duration portfolios, but those lower rates led to lower-yielding future opportunities. Our approach led us to more attractive future opportunities. It was not a smooth ride, but our process added value. In one year's time, the results became clear. We believe every investor in our portfolio should have a time frame longer than one year. We continue to focus on corporate bonds, and we aren't alone in that thought. Many investors have chosen to invest in the investment-grade and high-yield markets as a way to reach for additional yield. What does differentiate our approach is our willingness to ignore ideas that many investors are clamoring for. Look at the largest names in the high-yield index today. Many are yielding under 3%. These are fine businesses, but their low yields don't leave much room for error. A great deal can happen over the next several years, and we think we can find more favorable ideas because we're willing to look different. Finding unique ideas in an underfollowed part of the market is a necessity at times like this. A thorough, fundamentally-based investment approach will help us uncover opportunities where the market sees risk. Smaller issue sizes that large asset managers can invest in, such as unrated bonds or even the Canadian convertible market, are fertile hunting grounds for us, offering less competition. These are areas that we have found more attractive opportunities, and we don't believe they come with increased risk. Looking different is not risk to those who trust our investment approach. The benefits of doing our own credit work and thinking independently are reflected in the healthy yields to our portfolios. Despite the continued environment of low interest rates, we believe our portfolio characteristics remain compelling, and they can be seen in the online version of the commentary. Our emphasis on the negative art leads us to exclude investments that our others are happy to own. This causes us to look different. Looking different has helped us over the long term, but over the short term, anything can happen. We firmly believe that our mission would be a failure if our portfolios earned a pleasing return, but our clients did not. Many readers may think that they're one and the same, 
But unfortunately, history has shown that many clients don't earn the underlying return of their portfolio. Behavioral biases are the main culprit. Investors often get scared and sell at the bottom and are far too enthusiastic to add when markets are frothy and expensive. Every investor should strive for the opposite behavior, adding when there's fear in the market and opportunities are plentiful. Now, there's no question that this is difficult, but finding an investment approach that you trust and understand is the first step. Knowing how the portfolio manager will react during times of stress and what value they've added historically during these inflection points can give you the conviction to add to those portfolios when others are fearful. This is difficult to do if the portfolio has leverage or is full of complex securities whose underlying value is hard to understand. I believe it's much easier to add to portfolio if you're invested in an approach that treats each investment as a business. Fixed income can sound complicated, but at its core, it's simply a loan. Investors should take comfort that at Edgepoint, lending money to a business is a fundamental exercise based on what a rational business owner would do. If the price of a bond declines, but its fundamentals don't, it represents a prospective investment idea. Your conviction in our approach should be reinforced by the fact that internal Edgepoint partners are the largest owner of our portfolios and frequently add to their personal positions during periods of volatility. We think now is a crucial time for investors to examine how their fixed income investments are positioned. What has worked in the past may not work in the future. Long duration portfolios and crowded credits are the norm. We think their lasting benefits from an investment approach that embraces the negative art and uses their fundamental analysis to invest like a rational business owner would. Looking different should not be thought of as a risk, but as the foundation that will support future outperformance. Information presented is believed to be factual and up-to-date, but we do not guarantee its accuracy and it should not be regarded as a complete analysis of the subjects discussed. This is not an endorsement or recommendation of any security. Edgepoint Investment Group may be buying or selling positions in securities mentioned. No endorsement of any third parties or their advice, opinions, information, products, or services is expressly given or implied by Edgepoint Investment Group. This podcast contains certain statements that may be deemed forward-looking. Please note that any such statements are not guarantees of any future performance results, and the actual results or market developments may differ materially from these statements. The whole or any parts of this podcast may not be reproduced, copied, transmitted, or disclosed to third parties without the consent of Edgepoint Investment Group.